Welcome to the ArchMI Podcast, featuring our senior customer trainer, Blaine Rita. Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, or ArchMI, is a leading provider of mortgage insurance, or MI, in the United States. Our competitive pricing tool, ArchMI RateStar, is the leading risk-based pricing platform in the industry, providing rates based on a thorough understanding of the underlying risk. Here's your host, Blaine Rada. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. These podcasts are a way for me to share some of the perspective that I've gained after over 30 years of experience in mortgage lending. But more importantly, they're really designed to help you separate and differentiate yourself from your competitors. There's a lot of choices out there that realtors or borrowers have in terms of lenders to work with, and I want to help you to to stand apart from the crowd, so to speak. What you can expect is that these are conversational and unscripted, so I certainly have a plan of what I'd like to share with you for each of these, but I'm not going to necessarily follow a script, and sometimes I just, you know, at the spur of the moment decide to change gears and switch lanes, and that's just how I've done these in the past, and it's worked out well, so we're going to continue, continue doing it that way. Also, I tend to put a lot into these. So if you're one of those people that likes to multitask and do a bunch of things while you're listening to a podcast, you'll certainly get something from it. But to really get the most value from these, I'm suggesting that you probably listen to it more than once, or you go back, or you stop it and pause it, or you take some notes. I know for myself, I have to do that when I'm listening to podcasts, unless they're just purely for entertainment. And of course, most of these have a sales focus. Um, of course, the content is relevant to a lot of other people in our industry, but my, my, uh, my audience, so to speak, the people that I'm imagining as I record these is, are people that are primarily in a, in a sales role. So it's important because I am talking about sales that you understand where I'm coming from as it relates to sales in general. I have a worldview regarding sales, and I mentioned this at the beginning of every podcast, just so that you know who this guy is and where he's coming from with all this information. So I do not believe that selling is about getting the sale. I believe that selling is an act of service. Now, I'm all for get as many sales as you can, right? I mean, we're here to make a living, right? I don't think anybody's probably working right now because you're independently wealthy and have nothing else to do. So yes, of course, you want to make sales and you've got goals and you know it's important to you, right, to do well. But my belief is that when the objective of sales is to get the sale, it leads us to manipulate. It leads us to persuade, and I mean persuade in a negative way. When instead we sell as an act of service, right, then we're actually showing empathy and trying to establish if we're the best fit. So that's basically my worldview on sales is that it's not about the sale. It's about establishing if you're the best fit for that realtor, that borrower, whoever it is that you're defining as your ideal customer. All right, so I'm going to share some information with you that's going to lead invariably to some insights that you will have about this information. So as you're hearing the thoughts that I have to share, you will be coming to your own conclusions and kind of filtering the information in your own mind. But what I want to make sure is the end result of all of that is that it leads to some type of impact, that you are able to do something that is measurably different or have measurably different results as a result of something that you thought of while you were listening to this podcast. I don't want this to just be entertainment or something to fill a few minutes of your day. I actually want there to be an impact. And of course, I can't make that happen. I can just share the information with you. So I'm, I'm putting that on you, so to speak. So let's get to today's topic. I thought I would share with you 12 qualities 
of top loan officers. 12 qualities of top loan officers. Let me first of all suggest who is a top loan officer. How do, how do we define that person? So I, I thought about this, right? Who are the people who are the top in our industry? And I came to two realizations. They need to do a lot of business, right? Because loan officers are measured by production, productivity. How much business do they produce? So top loan officers would be people that do a lot of business. In fact, they do so much business that they have staff. You know, they have a team. They don't do everything on their own because they have way too many people to take care of to literally be able to handle every step by themselves. So it's a lot of business, number one. But just as important, they are rated exceptionally high in terms of their service. Their customers, their realtors, they adore them. So to me, a top producer is someone who does a lot of business and is exceptionally good at what they do and has exceedingly high customer satisfaction ratings. Those people, and there are many in our industry, um, if you study them, which I've done, uh, if you do a little bit of research, I mean, go on the internet. Everything on the internet is true. Okay, maybe it's not, but there is a lot of good information on the internet. There's been studies done. There's been consultants that have done the research. You can find information about you know, the best in our business, and you start to see common denominators. You start to see things that these people have in common. So this list of 12 qualities is kind of based on my own personal experience being in this business, you know, my own experiences as a loan officer, my own perspective, if you will. It's also based on the research that I've done, right, to try to find out what is it about these top people that is consistent among them. Um, And I've spent a lot lately, a lot of time at conferences and events. Either I've been speaking at them or I've been attending them. And it seems like a very common practice right now is to have like a loan officer panel. In other words, you bring up these rock stars and you just let them either talk or answer questions about how they do what they do. And that's a great source of information to actually hear directly from the people who are rock stars in our industry the things that go through their mind and how they how they how they plan their work and their day and their business so some of the information has come from being an observer of these loan officer panels now these obviously are not the only traits right i'm only going to mention 12 things so these can't possibly be the only traits that make people successful um, also i would suggest that you use it as an inventory right so as you hear these kind of rate yourself However you choose to do that, you know, five stars on a scale of one to 10, you know, where would you put yourself with each of these traits or qualities? Because invariably, you're doing some of these things at a really high level already. And then there may be some of these things you really don't give much thought to at all. And then there's some that you do, but you probably don't do them really well, right? So you could get better at it. So I want you to keep an open mind, first of all. Because sometimes when we hear this kind of information, especially if you're already good at what you do, and I just have to assume that many of the people that listen to these podcasts, they are good at what they do, right? You are good at what you do, or you wouldn't take the time to listen to the podcast. So we have a tendency when we're good at what we do to filter out other good ideas. We kind of dismiss them like, oh, oh, that's too simple, or "That, that doesn't apply to me. Try to turn off that inner critic and really just let these 12 traits soak in. 
The other thing I want to make sure you do is that you don't beat yourself up, right? I don't want you to look at these and go, oh my gosh, like I got so much room for improvement. <laughs> like, oh my, I'm not doing half of this stuff. Because the good news is you don't have to do all 12 of these things at a high level to probably increase your business, right? To improve how you're doing what you already do. It's just a matter of moving the needle on a handful of these that you determine are important to you. All right, so as I thought about these dozen and how I could organize them to share with you, I decided, you know what? Each of them has a key word. I'm just going to do it alphabetically, right? Just keep it simple. So there's no particular order to these. Um, there's nothing that's more important on this list because that, that's going to be a personal choice, right? So I've, I've kind of have a key word for each of them, and I'm just going to go through them alphabetically. And that's, that's how we'll run through the list. Okay, so you ready? All right, so here we go. Number one, key quality of a top loan officer, a top producer in our industry, is that they love a challenge. They love a challenge. This is not an easy business. There's a lot of problem solving that goes into doing this kind of work. And if you're not a person that gets excited by that, if you're not a, you know, I mean, and again, I get that there are days when you just don't want one more challenge. I, I understand that. So I'm not suggesting that 24-7 you are looking for challenges. But what I'm just saying is that you, you have a, a mindset, if you will, where you you like to solve problems, right? You like to figure things out. When a, when a challenge presents itself, rather than getting, you know, frustrated and upset and kind of crawling up into the fetal position, you actually want to try to figure out how to solve it, how to fix it. That would be trait number one. Love a challenge. Number two, attend closings. Now, that may or may not be a thing that you do in your given geographic area. You know, how loan closings are handled, it, it is done differently in different parts of the country. Um, however, there's been a lot of research done on the impact that simply being at the closing has on relationship, on perceived professionalism. I mean, it's actually very profound. If you look at some of the data that's been done, just the sheer fact that you are at the closing means a lot. And that is a best practice that I see many top originators try to do. Now, obviously, you may not be able to attend every closing of every loan you have. I mean, the implication if you're a top producer is that you've got a lot of business and a lot of things you're doing to get that business. And so you may not have the time to literally be at every closing. So if you can't be, I would suggest that you do the next best thing, which is to call the borrower and heck, maybe even include the realtor, not in the same call, but also place a call to the realtor and walk them through the process, right? Now, realtors don't have to know what's going to happen because they've been to hundreds of closings, most likely, and they know the process. But the professionalism of you reaching out to let people know, this is, this is what you can expect, right? And, and most importantly, and if you need help, if something, you know, if there is a question, if there is a concern, if, if there is a problem, not that we want to assume there will be, but here's, here's how either I can be reached or here's, how, here, here's this other person that's going to you know, take care of that. In other words, hold their hand and walk them through what's going to happen if you can't actually be there. The, the other thing about attending the closing that I think is significant is that a top producer realizes that the closing of the loan is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of what is to be a long-term relationship. 
So the idea that you're there is more of a, we're kicking this thing off as opposed to, we're all done. You know, all done. Everybody gets paid. Everybody moves on. You know, have a nice life. <laughs> I mean, that's not really what the closing should be. The closing should be a celebration of, we're going to be together for a long time, helping each other out, right? So that that's another way to look at the closing, is that it's the beginning, not the end. All right, so we talked about loving a challenge and attending closings. Third trait, a good communicator. Now, I talk about communication in some of the other podcasts, so I'm not going to get into a lot of nitty-gritty regarding communication, but there are a couple things that I'll just highlight as it relates to specifically being a rock star in this business. Um, I think the rock stars in our business are proactive with their communication. In other words, they don't wait to be asked for information before they give it. They give people the information they need before those people even requested it. Now, this does take effort and it takes time and it takes discipline, right? But what I'm saying is it's worth it. Because, you know, one of the hardest things about being in this business is that people are constantly calling you to find out, you know, status and what's going on with this situation and did you hear from so-and-so. And it's kind of hard to get your job done because everybody's calling you about the job that you're supposed to be doing that you can't do while you're on the phone, right? Um, or responding to emails, if that's your preferred method. So what happens when you are proactive in your communication is that once people know that you are a person who will let them know what they need to know when they need to know it, they back off. You know, realtors in particular, who are very prone to, you know, wanting to pick up the phone and say, hey, what's happening, won't do that if they know that you're a person that will let them know what they need to know when they need to know it. Right? So it may take a little while for people to understand that that's how you do your business. But once you have established that you are a proactive communicator, people tend to back off and let you, just, let you do your work, which is a beautiful thing. The other thing I'll say about communication is make sure that when you're talking to people about what's going on in the mortgage, that you're talking about you know, not just the boat, but the journey. Right? I mean, think about... Um, Think about an advertisement, you know, for a cruise. And what do you normally see on like a TV ad for a cruise? You see a bunch of emphasis on the boat itself, right? Like this is a spectacular vessel that you're going to be on. The food choices, the entertainment, the fun that the kids can have, right? I mean, it's all about the ship, but it's also all about the journey, the destination, the places you'll see, what you'll experience along the way. And so the boat in our world is the mortgage process. And I think we, te- we spend a, ten- a lot of time talking to people about the mortgage process because that's what we're experts in. But make sure your communication is also sharing with people things that are also related to the journey, the experience, right? Their feelings. Um, g- good professionals in our business communicate both of those ideas. They're not just technical experts. They also have the ability to communicate kind of the things that are more important, for instance, to the borrower. Because the borrower honestly doesn't care about the nuts and bolts of a mortgage loan. There's bigger things that are, you know, on their mind. All right, number four, competitive. Now, I don't mean this in a negative sense because I do think that competition can be negative, uh, I've seen competition go badly many times you know, where somebody's drive to compete is so strong that they're willing to do anything that it takes to, you know, to be on top, to be number one. That's not really what I'm talking about. But what I am suggesting is that even if it's just competing with yourself, 
you have a natural drive, right, to excel, to improve year over year, to, you know, to get better at your craft, so to speak. And if that happens to mean that you become the number one salesperson or you get into the President's Club and get to go to Jamaica or, you know, all of the other kind of accolades and awards that could come with being on top, that's great. But I'm not, I'm not saying competition for competition's sake. I'm saying you're competitive and that you're constantly striving to be better. Uh, be better than you were before. All right, number five, using a database. So what I've noticed about the best in our business is that they have a database that's probably at least 500 names. And these names could include people that, you know, they've done business with, right? So like past customers, uh, it, it could include prospects. It could include kind of ancillary people who are not directly maybe borrowers or people wanting mortgages, but it's other professionals in our industry. It could be peers or co-work. In other words, they, they have this database and keep in mind that, you know, the names come and go, right? A database is not a, a, a fixed thing. It, it changes over time. Names drop off, names get added. But if you have about 500 people in a database, what I see the professionals do is they, they use that as a method of communication to, to do two very specific things. And the thing that they're not doing with it is selling. In other words, they're not using the database to keep pitching and selling themselves. I mean, largely, these are people that have either already done business with you or you already have a relationship with them or are trying to build a relationship. So, I mean, there's really no need for you to be, you know, selling yourself and jumping up and down, right? So they use the database to provide relevant, useful, valuable information, things that would be important to whoever it is that they're sending it to, right? So they they, they start to become a source of knowledge, a source of information. In other words, when somebody gets their email from from that person, they don't just go, oh, another email from so-and-so and delete it, but they actually want to scroll through it and see, oh, what do they have to say this month? Because last month they gave me this really cool tip about such and such. So the database is used to actually provide knowledge and information to people on an ongoing basis. And I think the other cool thing that you can do with the database is you can acknowledge special days, right? Special occasions, people's birthdays, anniversaries, um, you know, first year after buying the home. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do with the database that are kind of just a nice personal touch. But the most important thing they are not doing with their database is selling, because if you're like me, and I'm assuming most of you probably are, the moment you start to get solicited over and over and over, especially from someone that you've already done business with, you either unsubscribe or you simply delete all those emails when they come in. So what you want is the opposite reaction. You want people to be looking forward to hearing from you because you're not selling you're either recognizing them for something that's kind of special to them or you're providing them with useful information. But the use of the database is what's critical because without the database, you can't accomplish that. Okay, so we've covered five, right? Loves a challenge, attends closings, good communicator, competitive, at least in a healthy way, and use of a database. Number six, disciplined. Now, in episode four of this podcast series, I go into a lot more detail about discipline. Um, I'll just say this about discipline in this one. It's how you execute your plan, right? Those daily things that you do to execute your plan, 
daily disciplines, if you will, are important. And the rock stars in our industry are disciplined. They have a plan and they work their plan. They don't just get up in the morning and randomly, you know, knock into furniture and door frames as they wander through their home trying to figure out what they're going to do that day. They know that if it's Tuesday morning, they do this on Tuesday morning. If it's Thursday afternoon, they always do this thing on Thursday afternoon. In other words, they're they're very organized, they're very structured. They figure out what they have figured out what activities give them the most value, right? The most the most benefit and that is their discipline. All right, that's what that's what that word means in this context. All right, number 7, they are experts. Experts at not just the role of being a loan officer. The best loan officers are experts in a wide variety of things. In other words, they they understand capital markets and how money, you know, flows and moves in our industry. Uh, they understand underwriting. Now, not not the same expertise as an underwriter, but they understand um, not just guidelines, but the nature of underwriting and how and how that's actually done, and and how and how they can help to influence underwriting decisions. And in other words, they have a broader expertise than someone that just does a narrowly de- a narrow a narrow defined job description, right? So. Not only are they experts in what they do, they're experts in things that are kind of tangent or related to it. All right, number eight, they're lifelong learners. Well, you can check that one off because you're listening to this podcast, right? So I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in learning no matter how good you are already, but that's just one example of what a lifelong learner does. They're constantly seeking out new information, trying to get better at what they do. By the way, those loan officer panels, if you ever have an opportunity, if you're at an event and they're going to have a panel of successful loan officers talk about what they do, it is well worth your time no matter how skilled you already are. Even if you think you're better than half the people on that panel, it is still worth your time to listen to what they have to say. You never know when you're going to hear an idea that could completely change your business. You know, something that somebody else is doing that you've never thought of before. So I highly recommend that in your quest for lifelong learning. All right, number nine, they're self-motivated. Self-motivated. In other words, they don't wait for someone to motivate them. I spoke at an event not long ago, and I saw that my name was listed on the agenda, and next to my name it had motivational speaker. And I thought, that's fascinating, because first of all, I would never position myself as a motivational speaker. I mean, people may become motivated or inspired by something that they've heard in a presentation that I've given, but I'm not the one that motivates people. I mean, I have a lot of speaker friends who would consider themselves motivational speakers, so I'm not really, I'm, I'm not putting that idea down. I just disagree with it. I think motivation comes from within. I think any motivation that comes from the outside is temporary. You have temporary, you know, excitement and enthusiasm. Um, You know, when you go to one of these big rallies and people are jumping up and down and fist pumping, I mean, a week later, they can't remember a single point that was made in that presentation, right? It didn't stick. So the group that I'm talking about of successful loan officers, the rock stars, are self-motivated. They're not waiting for someone to come along to motivate them, right? You've got to have a better plan for your life than waiting for someone to motivate you. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. These are people that are highly self-motivated. All right, number 10, a professional posture. 
Now, I'm not referring to standing up straight. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to talk more about professionalism in another podcast. But what I'm referring to here is that you are putting yourself out there in more ways than we ever have, especially if, if you use social media in any way, right? So your posture, what I mean by that word, is how people are perceiving you, how you're being received by all of the people that are, you know, hearing you, seeing you, experiencing you in all the ways that they do that. And so what I'm suggesting is that the best of the best are professional in terms of how they're being received by people. And I bring this up because most of us are unaware of how we're coming across. When we send an email, when we send a text, when we leave a voicemail for someone, heck, even when we're face-to-face with them, we often don't know how we're being received. It's a little easier when you're face-to-face with someone because you can see their reaction, right? So if you were to say something that was very confusing to somebody, you could tell by the expression on their face that they're very confused, and, and then you could change how you said that, right? But if you just send off an email or fire off a text that's just as confusing, you wouldn't be getting that feedback, So what I'm suggesting is that much of what we put out there, that's what I'm calling your posture, you're unaware of how that's being received. So the solution for that is to occasionally get feedback, to occasionally have people give you feedback on how that sounded, how that came across, so that you can figure out if that was how you intended it. And we never become masters of this, by the way. I mean, I consider myself to be a professional communicator, And I can tell you daily with some of the most significant people in my life, I'm not necessarily coming across the way that I thought I was or that I meant to or, right? So, I mean, this is like without feedback, without knowing how we're coming across, we don't get better. So that's, that's really the skill. You have this professional posture, hopefully, but you don't know that unless you're getting some feedback. All right, number 11, relationship builder. That might sound pretty common sense, right? What I mean specifically is that these people know exactly where their business comes from, how their business came to them, and they cultivate those referral relationships as if their business depended on them. We never take business for granted. We never take the relationships for granted, that these are the traits of these top achievers that I'm talking about. And number 12, they enjoy serving, right? They enjoy being of service. They, they agree with my worldview of selling is that it's really an act of service. It's to be helpful, right? And they enjoy it. Now, a couple of specific things, because you could, you could make a long list of, well, what's service, right? And you could make a long list of all the ways that you actually serve someone. But a couple of specific traits or characteristics that I've noticed in these high-achieving loan loan officers is that they are available, meaning they can be reached. Now, I know there's a fine line there, right? I mean, we shouldn't be, for instance, you know, composing emails while we're driving down the highway, you know, assuming you're the driver, right? Right? Um, So you you have to kind of take that that being reachable, that being available – and make sure that you're not going too far with, with that whole idea, right? Some people take that to such an extreme 
that they never have a moment to themselves. They never have a moment with anybody else, honestly, that isn't interrupted because somebody's trying to reach them and they feel like they have to respond. But at the same time, you know, they, they do take that very seriously, the idea that I should be reachable as much as possible. And then when I'm not, right, because we should all have times when we're not reachable, then they're responsive. So they get back to people, right? They don't leave people hanging. And again, some of this stuff may sound like, well, gosh, isn't that just common sense? I don't know about you, but I don't think common sense is always common practice. So here's what I would recommend. Take an inventory. Maybe go back and listen to these 12. Doesn't doesn't take you that long. Give yourself, you know, a rating of some kind. See where there might be some weaknesses or maybe something that you're not even really thinking about at all. And just commit to making some improvement. You know, move the needle, so to speak. I can run through them really quick for you. The 12 qualities of top loan officers. In alphabetical order, love a challenge. Attend closings. Good communicator. Competitive. Use a database. Disciplined. Experts. Lifelong learners. Self-motivated. Professional posture. Relationship builder. Enjoy serving. Just let these words sink in a little bit. See if there isn't some place where you can improve. All right. So I always ask at the end of these, please take a step. Please do something with this information. Uh, You've thought of certain things. You have certain insights as a result of spending a little bit of time with me. Do something with it. Take a measurable step that leads to a measurable result. Tell a friend. Let people know. If you find this information to be valuable, spread the news, right? Spread the wealth. Good ideas should be spread far and wide. And talk with us. Make sure at Arch that you you know your account manager, that you frequently let us know. How can we be of assistance? How can we help you with your business? And of course, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I'd love to know what you think of the podcast. I'd love to know if there's topics that you'd like to hear that maybe we haven't covered, or what do you think of the topics that we have covered? So that's it for this episode. I hope that you found that your investment in time was worthwhile and valuable. This is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. Thank you for listening. Arch Capital Group Limited's U.S. mortgage insurance operation, ArchMI, is a leading provider of private insurance covering mortgage credit risk. Headquartered in Greensboro, North Carolina, ArchMI's mission is to protect lenders against credit risk while extending the possibility of responsible homeownership to qualified borrowers. ArchMI's flagship mortgage insurer, Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, is licensed to write mortgage insurance in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. For more information, please visit archmi.com. ArchMI is a marketing term for Arch Mortgage Insurance Company and United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. All rights reserved.